Hi, this is Drew Wilmisher, and before we begin this episode of Ukirk Atlanta Presents the Ukirk Atlanta Podcast, I wanted to let our listeners know a few things about today's episode. Zoom is an amazing platform that has kept so much of our society going in the past year and a half, but like all technologies, I found out ways to mess it up without really trying. Today's interview with Reverend Aisha Brooks-Johnson was actually a redo after the audio from our first interview fritzed out about half of our conversation. Out of fear of messing anything else up, I've left the interview mostly intact, but there are still moments when one or more of our mics drops out. As the editor and producer, I wanted to apologize, but I hope you enjoy our conversation nonetheless. You have the option to leave a meeting being recorded, apparently. It just told me that oh. I needed to leave that I could leave. That's what it just told me. Yeah, that's the first time that's ever popped up. And it was a little computer voice that said, this meeting is being recorded. Stay, leave. (laughs) That must be a new feature. Thanks, Zoom. (laughs) I just, I I feel like if that's something, you know, if that was a feature enabled on mobile devices, like every time the NSA was actively listening government is listening to your conversation would you like to leave now <laughs> uh uh all hail our democratic overlords what i don't know what's happening uh, right it's friday january 25th and you're listening to you kirk atlanta presents the you kirk atlanta podcast Today, Reverend Sarah Hooker and Drew Wilmisher are joined by Reverend Aisha Brooks-Johnson, pastor and executive presbyter for the Greater Atlanta Presbytery within the Presbyterian Church, USA. Yeah, uh, so of, of, so all the, of all the Minnesota salads, Snicker salad is my favorite. There are, there are three ingredients the way that I make it. There are four ingredients, the classic way that you make it. Um, you have Snickers chopped up, Snicker bars chopped up. You have apples. I like a mix of green Granny Smith apples and Honeycrisp apples. And you chop all of those up and you throw them in the bowl. Then you put whipped cream all over it and mix it together. (laughs) Um, That's where I stop. A classic Minnesotan will use um, a dried vanilla pudding mix, mix a box of that mixed with the whipped cream to give it a little uh, vanilla oomph flavor uh, in there. And then you put it on the salad table. It is not a dessert. It is a salad. And you eat it. And you eat it, and it is delicious. Which is so much it's better. so good. I, I didn't, Sarah didn't tell me how to make it the first time she told me about it. She was just like, Snickers salad is so good. You got to try it. And I was like, that sounds great. Click. And then uh, I went home and I wrapped up a Snickers in some iceberg uh, and drizzled a little of Russian dressing on it. No, great. And I was like, you know what? I don't get the hype. I don't understand what's happening. But if this is what it takes to get my daughter to eat her salads, and Evie loves them. So you've got your own 
snicker salad situation. That's right. That's the, I Georgian, took it at, that's the Georgian snicker salad. That's right. The Georgian snicker salad takes it at face value. You said snicker and salad. This that's is right. A snicker, this is a salad. Mm, that's Mush it. them together and go. Bleh. And the baby likes it. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> hey, I'm just happy she's eating greens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. Can you call an iceberg lettuce a green? <laughs> it's a vehicle. It's I don't green. think so. Salad a salad. He can call iceberg lettuce a green. Okay. It's not me. I, it's not just me, Aisha. It's a whole people. It's a whole people. <laughs> tribe. I mean, to be fair to our Midwestern friends, like you have to to survive the winter. It's it's just key. And if you yeah. can enjoy it along the way. That's true. That's true. I'm all in. Snickers salad. Yeah. The, the 18 months I lived in Pittsburgh, I just wanted to wrap myself up in a calzone for six months and then slowly eat my way out of it like a cocoon. Yes. I, Aisha, idea. For the next, for the next in-person Presbyterian meeting where we are all finally able to be together. We should have just a good old fashioned potluck and everyone bring a dish that is near and dear to their heart of that represents like home or like this is a classic, like make you feel good church dish, potluck dish that you just love to have. And then I will bring a big old bowl a snicker salad <laughs> to that you know, potluck. <laughs> you know the May meeting, which will be um, Donna's last meeting next year. Next year, yeah, would be with some outdoor, like outdoory kind of things. Yes. Yeah. We should, yes. Yeah. Because then I will eat all the food. I will eat all the food from all of our from all of our uh, siblings who are from different cultures as well. Like that was the best, that was the best at Decatur Prez. That was the best dinner that we had when the Korean church <laughs> came yes. and did a joint like presentation. Yes. And so they brought, they brought food for dinner that night. And I was like, yes, please. People oh. still talk about it. <laughs> when was that? Was Gosh, it, two years ago now? It was. It was a, it was a long time ago uh, by by this point. Um, very pre-pandemic. Very, very much pre-pandemic. Um, oh, but, but that was that the I, best. That was the best Wednesday night supper at church. <laughs> I can't make any promises because I also could see Donna thinking that that would be a logistical nightmare on top of hybrid presbytery meetings. We could we could have a volunteer potluck planning party committee that's separate from I mean we have a worship committee, right, for Presbytery. So let's have a potluck party planning committee. I mean we've got a year. <laughs> yeah. We start now. <laughs> I think you just bring your salad and a lot of little spoons. And anyone that feels so inclined to get juicy cup, and they can just scoop it out. That's this is why you're where you are because you're a problem solver. That's what I do. You just 
hovering around looking, how may we help fix this? That's what I do. That's like your theme song. <laughs> Come swooping in. How may we fix this? Oh, good. She's here. I, I, it's like it's like the it's like a presbyter that is the fairy godmother of the rest of the presbyters. <laughs> Just sprinkling positivity and Jesus wherever I can be. Wherever he can be. Bippity boppity blessing. Bippity boppity blessing. You know I love alliteration. I oh my gosh, yes. That is is private uh, part of this. I think we now need to get Aisha a pair of fairy wings and a uh, and a wand, fairy wand. Hey Emily, Done. do you still have those fairy wings? <laughs> First yeah. of okay. all, okay, Halloween. Okay, we got some fairy wings for you. Halloween costume is set. Fairy God Presbyter. Presbyter. Yes. They have to be teal. Obviously, they have to be teal wings. Have to be. Teal wings. Period. Super sparkly uh, wand. Oh, my gosh. Perfect. Also an excuse to wear the wedding dress again that has like... Ah! Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yes. First of all, congratulations. Yes, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Beautiful service. Thank you. Thank oh. you. And it, for those who have the link, it's out there for all perpetuity. So when you're bored on a Friday night and want to watch a wedding of Presbyterian nerddom, just click. Do it. Presbyterian nerd weddings are really great, though. I That's love right. them. Uh, uh, to continue on the theme, you know, just a, a fantasy of Presbarella. There yes. it is. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm still bippity boppity blessing, but. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad that this worked out. I know that you are on your way to other states. Yes. Passing at least through one other state to get there. Yes. Um, as, and that is to be near. Uh, is that is that to be near your husband? It is. Today? He he is in Kentucky, and he was here with us for a week. And so that begins um, not only hybrid, uh, a hybrid work from home um, experiment that we're doing or tr- testing out for the rest of the year um, and just seeing how it works for people. I think every institution is good um, for a new, a new day in that regard. So kind of living into that. And uh, so trying, I was in the office yesterday and that felt great. And it would also require two homes, home and office. Yeah. What your setup is and how are you prepared physically with all the trappings, like the right audio gear. Um, yes. as well as all those things. So, yeah, it's, I think it's a learning curve, but um, I think that's where we're headed in general. Like, sometimes I ask questions about, okay, I've found love again. I 
um, love lost and, and the first spouse having passed and now this new love, which is amazing. But the fact that it has to be done commuting, there's some kind of lesson in this both and that I'm trying to figure out, but I, I feel like it's congruent with the office, institutions, churches, that it's a both and. It's in person and it's uh, virtual. It's in home and work, you know, work in the office. It's just, it's a hybrid life, right? Like I think that's what's happening. Yes, completely. Well, and I think like that has been, while it's been a struggle, obviously, this last year plus 14 months um, of that immediate shift that we weren't prepared for. We just, all of us had to adjust very quickly. Um, That has been one of the blessings, I think, of it, that we have realized that we can do things differently because we had to, right? Um, And so that it's like, we're now in this phase where we're like, well, we don't necessarily have to go back fully to what was before we can do this hybrid thing we can make it work because we have been making it work for for 14 months um you know we could we could do both we could do both things um because there were good things about previous there are good things about what we had to do during the pandemic and so let's let's just how about we just take the good things (laughs) that's right I, I mean I think you know we can do both things I had to write that down because I like that. We can also do hard things. Yeah. And I think doing both things and hard things hopefully will make life better. Yeah. That's that's the hope. Mm-hmm. I think what I've appreciated is how many folks have realized that they can survive hard things. Yes so that there doesn't have to be as much anxiety or fear about trying something that may seem difficult because they know that you can do anything for a little while, but you can also like, you'll still be whatever you're trying, you know, even if it fails, like you'll still be here afterwards. That's not, it's not like failure is a death sentence or anything like that, you know, um, for ministries, uh, in particular right. and institutions. Um, that, you know, there's some freedom to experiment now. Um, yeah. I wish people would kick back to their great cloud of witnesses imagery. Yeah. Because I think if you look at the whole human story, humans historically have done very, very, very hard things. And they have gotten through them. Mm-hmm. And that better and redemptive on the other side of the very, very, very hard thing. When this pandemic started, I, you know, I, I was ready to quit. Just like everybody, I didn't sign up for this. Nobody said that on the Presbyter interview committee conversation. Like, no. <laughs> then I go back. It was an article one of the papers out of Alabama, out of Birmingham, Alabama, that had quotes from pastors during the uh, 1918 uh, uh, influenza, right? And I thought, okay, I'm not the first pastor to go through this. Right. So they could do it without Zoom, without 
my their phone without um, Snicker salad, without what you know, without the creature comforts of life. Yes. Then okay, what you know? How can I do that? Um, for me, I take it back ancestrally uh, when I think of enslaved Africans. I'm like, okay, I literally come from like mm-hmm. bloodlines of people, like actual in your actual DNA. Yeah, have survived. So you're if you're still here, you've come through some lineage that has survived. I think I'm not sure that every group processes that in that way. As sure. I think that's good, right? Like even if you know the particularity of that story, somebody's mother's mother's mother made it through childbirth when they shouldn't have. Right. Like yeah. you you know, your relatives made it through. So I, yes. I think if people had a um I uh, commissioned a piece by Laura Wright Pittman that is in the works. I've seen a sneak peek of it. And I've never seen a like multicultural view of the Greek cloud of witnesses. Uh-huh. And calling it so there's a family in the middle, but then there are like all these folks around, right? So instead of thinking of them kind of above and looking down, like we're having this conversation mm-hmm. and, and like kind of just circled around us in a sense. Mm-hmm. If they if they made it through, then that's we are, and we make mm-hmm. it through, and then the legacy after that continues to make it through. So. I wish I wish that it's literally Hebrews 12, right? Yeah. Like because yes. keep running, right? Like I wish that was in our frontal lobe all the time. Um, right. Which is it. <laughs> yeah. I saw something the other day that like the greatest con of modern evangelical white supremacy is the idea of the core family values right? Mm-hmm. That the only family that matters is your immediate family, right? Um, and that, that, that this is what has, that, that, that is a, that is a pure root of why uh, this idea of American white supremacy is so, like, disconnects white people in particular, just from the beauty of community and history um and that's how it maintains its power because the only people that matter are the people that live in your house like right people that you have birthed and the people that live with you which which nowadays is not even uh like uh, the grandparents right (laughs) like there's there's no sense of community living right that wasn't the case i think when people were bringing old world values when, you know, coming into this right. country, um, I think white folk had that. They had oh, yeah. the, the generational thing. You know, Mama Debbie lives with me. Yeah. And I was ready to fight my siblings when I came to Atlanta. I said, she miles. And I mean, I just, when, um, as Alonzo and I were preparing for, for the wedding and my mother said, well, you know, at some point, you know, when you guys get a house together, you know, I'm sure I, I can move on. And Alonzo said, like, well, who who's going to take care of us? <laughs> we, <laughs> you got to be here to just sit and pray and talk right. and get quiche. Like, get, like, wow. 
How? How? You know? That's awesome. Like, no, you're you're staying whether you want to or not. Now, if y'all get a phone call and she asking to be released, I guess, I guess we can get her. Our old little little cottage down the block or a little tiny home in the back or something. You, you, tiny home in the back. Tiny home in the back. Personal space. Don't you have that shed in your backyard anyway? Listen, preach. I'm ready. <laughs> they don't call yeah. mother-in-law sweets for nothing. <laughs> I do right. like, I do like that Alonzo is like, uh, you know, he's he's passed the interview. He's gotten the job. But but he's still, you know, that's it's not like he was just turning it on and off. Like that's it's just who he is. He's like, no, I'm I'm in. I'm your family, my family. That's right. You are are my mother as well. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. it's funny. It's sweet, though. But I think that's that's the surrounded. That's the I am in a community that is bigger than just my nuclear family because it wasn't meant just be about the nuclear family, right? Even Mm -hmm. when I remember my mother making me read the Bible, all kinds of weird things. And she was like, just just start at the beginning of Matthew. And I'm like, why are we getting, oh, who begat, who begat, who begat who? Yeah. Is telling, you know, clearly, you know, here's what Jesus, here's where he is contextually. But also this is a larger story. Yes. And just Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Yes, absolutely. This is a huge, huge, huge narrative. Yeah. So I think I, I wish we, um, I wish we could see see more of that. Or again, keep that in the frontal lobe that I'm we're we're human family together. Yeah. And, and that, then I gotta think differently about taking care of my family. Yes. Right. No, it's key. Like. Just even when you said a lot of witnesses, like, um, like that's been a pivotal moment in my call story. Like, um, I mean, I'm a pastor's kid, so part of me didn't have a choice, right, um, in a lot of things <laughs> that I experienced in the Presbyterian Church. Um, but I remember when I was in high school, there was a Presbyterian women gathering in Louisville, and that was the theme, cloud of witnesses. And that just brought back to mind, but that was the first, like, I went with my mom um, to this PW National Gathering, and it was great. Like, it was very much like, oh, my gosh, like, this is something that's much greater than me, right? And, like, who do we rely on? Who can we turn to? Who's part of the family? Who, you know, if I can't rely on someone who's very close to me necessarily, I have all these other people that I can turn to, to ask questions, to be supported, to, to be lifted up so that there can be forward movement. Um, and, and so that, that's, I, I, yes, I wish we talked about it more. <laughs> the community of saints, right? <laughs> That's right. You know, it's such an important philosophy of ministry to keep in mind, too, especially when dealing with campus ministry, when college can be like one of those magic times when you sort of find yourself in your friend group. Um, But it can also be really lonely if that doesn't happen, um, because it doesn't happen for everyone. And but it's that stage of human development, right, where you 
sort of, you know, you're either released into the world by your family or, you know, in harder circumstances, you're cutting it out, you know, to say, no, I have to, I have to find myself. Um, yeah. And I, I can't do it with you. Um, right. which, I, uh, which is, which is hard. Uh, especially if you don't have a good example of that. So when you talk about like the great cloud of witnesses, if you can kind of get to that point of freshman year of college, knowing that there is something <laughs> waiting for you out there and that it is going to be okay as you launch. Yeah. yeah. But I think and it's, Oh, go ahead. No, I'm just, I was thinking as we're talking about this, not knowing who will hear it. Also leaving space for when you have to remain safe in these Great witnesses, extended, we'll call it the, your extended family, right? Which is literally your extended family, but your spiritual extended family. There may be times that you have to boundary from that. Oh, yeah. Yep. Right? And say, I got to be on this part of the family so I can be healthy, so yep. I can live, so I can flourish, so I can thrive. And we see that in the in scripture all over. I mean, that's just one big, crazy family system. Experiment. I mean, oh my gosh, it's like a, good Lord, you try those families forever. And I love that, you know, function and dysfunction are found in scripture yeah. to say we work our way through it. Um, so, I, you know, I think people will have to, I think that's the making sense of who you are, right? That time in college where you're, who am I, but who I am is never all the way alone and never all the way isolated, which I think gets back to yeah. what a, a oppressive culture. Mm-hmm. But there is something unique about Western, white Western culture. Mm-hmm. And I am by myself or my own room, my own things, my own phone, my own car, my own house, like this is mine. Mm-hmm. Um, when we bought this house, um, right down the block from places like Agnes Sky and uh, all those things. What my prayer was, was, Lord, however this house can be a house of music and art and healing and fellowship, because it's mine, but it's not really. It's not mine alone, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so how do, you, how do you get that expansive um, view of the self? That, that it's the, in the system. Uh, and that's, re- that's really hard, right? Because you're like, I have my own ideas. I'm not like them. Look like them, sounding just like them, acting just like them. <laughs> I will make noises now here in my 30s with a two-year-old that I'm like, that's my dad. I My dad just visited me to make that sound. Listen, my father <laughs> passed away when I was in college. Mm-hmm. My mother and I will be here in the room and laughing and joking, or I'll say something, and she'll look at me. She said, "You just like you just became your father, just like boo boo, like he just showed up." <laughs> Alberta, she'll call me. Ah! She'll say, Alberta, like stop acting like your daddy. Oh God. Oh, and she's totally right. Like the older you get, you know, but, but if you can embrace that, yes. right. And that was, you know, that relationship had bumps and was beautiful, you know, by the time he transitioned, but you no, know, 
make sense of that, then I think that's where the self-rejection comes in. That's where the, that part of myself, because you're part of a larger story, you know? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yep. my gosh. <laughs> Alberta. Alicia, also known as Alberta. <laughs> <laughs> you are a woman with many names and, and titles. <laughs> All of them wonderful. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, we got totally, like, great conversation, but now I don't know how to circle back to our questions that we had. <laughs> I mean, we had some, but I feel, I mean, we're touching on them, you know? Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. I feel like you, I mean, I, yeah, like, don't be, you know, don't be isolated. We do hard things. Um, we're more than this pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how much easier are so many other, you know, for at least the next few years, how much easier are other problems going to seem now? <laughs> We're like, well, at least we're not, you know. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Um, I think will be. Um, um, so there, uh, Ukirk National is having some a series of Con Ed uh, webinars through the summer. They start this afternoon. There's like a four hour block this afternoon. And then every Tuesday, I think, um, basically for the rest of the summer, there's someone else is going to come and do a webinar series. Um, I believe they're open to the public. So if anybody listens to this and wants to join in, you can look on the Ukirk National website and we'll probably link it in the, we'll link that in the notes as well. Um, but um, there's one session that um that I know a lot of us have been thinking about and not just for college students but it's like how do we handle like dealing with grief and trauma of the pandemic for your students so what does that look like coming back um and I know we've you've had that conversation and the you know our first recording of this Aisha we talked about this with the virtual and vital um theme that you have um, for the presbytery for the year, but, um, like, how do we, yes, we're kind of getting back to normalcy. We're getting back to being able to do in-person things and we're figuring out what this new normal is. Um, but a huge component of that is, um, just addressing grief and trauma, PTSD of folks, um, you know, uh, processing a lot of, I mean, processing a lot of death, right? Like mm. over half a million people in this country alone have died. Um, from one thing. From one thing. In, not including all the regular stuff. Right. Yeah. Not including all the regular there. stuff of just getting old of, you know, regular other illnesses that happen. Um, you know, uh, like just kind of that general anxiety of being back in person. Like we haven't worshiped in spaces and I've heard from people who have started going back to in-person worship that they get into these places and they're not even like super crowded, not in the way that they were before, but people are having panic attacks because mm -hmm. it's just like, we've had to be so alert and our bodies are just, 
our, our physical bodies, even outside of our brain, are not able to handle it. Right. Um, so, like, what is this, um, you know, what are these baby steps that we're going to take and what is the intentionality of, um, of, of the people as a whole in our, who are in our worshiping communities um, and ministry settings, but also leadership who have to, <laughs> who have to try to manage <laughs> these things for other people, but also for themselves. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that's a huge thing that I'm, that I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, you know, this is something that's going to be really big. And it's just like, you know, like trying to navigate that. Um, uh, it's something that I'm thinking about a lot and a lot of people are, but is that something that the Presbytery has been thinking about or you've been thinking about? I think having been a widow and becoming one in this ministry marked a lot for me in terms of the, the balance of and how it looks like as a as a um, point and how you manage and walk. I remember one of our churches was closing. And I had preached their closing and basically made the parallel that when my when my first husband was dying, I was on a trip to Scotland. And I said, we were in the Abbey um, in Iona, which is magical, <laughs> Jesus, beautiful. And we were in the Abbey's like 1,200 years old. And the light was coming through. Some kids from the Midwest were singing and it was gorgeous. And I still and I still have this picture. And I just said, Lord, I lay down the first half of my life um, here, the life that I have had with Carl, whatever I've understood that to be. And whatever you have next, I'm open to that. And that's when I came back. That's when doors started opening to even have conversation about um, Atlanta. I preached a closing service and the same way that created this, you will find another place where you will be shepherded and you will be sheep in a different context. And a year later, I was at the church where most of them had gone to worship. And I didn't realize it was the year anniversary of their of this movement. Mm -hmm. And a few of them came up and they said, remember you told us that we would find a home. You told us that we'd have a like have a church and have a people. Like you, and I was like, I sure did. Like I forgot. <laughs> I put it together that it was the day. So I say all that to say the personal work that I've had to do around grief and death and dying, thanks to Elizabeth Kubler Ross Ross's work and David Kessler. Um, David Kessler put out. Um, a new book, and it he went to the family of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and asked if he could add a stage to the five stages of grief. And so the sixth one is called Finding Meaning. Mm -hmm. In my mind, I you know I try to come up with my theme, the presentation down here, but that's been circling, um, circling in my mind of, of what would don't don't hold me to it but I wrote down on a piece of paper what would it look like in 2022 
to talk about um, finding meaning, but also fostering imagination. And so I think that people are really, I feel like people are illiterate when it comes to grief work. Mm-hmm. That they, um, again, going back to this rugged individualism that is the American way, um, divorces people from life and death and how it's one big circle. Uh, if, if you've not been to a hospice facility, volunteer two times a year, mm-hmm. shadow somebody. Um, I had to do that when I was in, uh, when I was finishing up my requirements for ordination. And one of the hospice chaplains said, I know you don't like this, <laughs> but you're, it's you, kid. And I'm like, no, it's a man. So my father transitioned on hospice mm. and my first husband transitioned on hospice. And so I, much as like, I, who wants that as a storyline, right? Like, I don't, I don't want like, oh yeah, he's just like, she's like a deaf person. Like, yeah, he's a grief girl. Like who, who wants that title? Right. But I like people call me all the time. Like, can you talk about grief and resilience? Can you talk about what it means to um, just to go through these? Right. And so I think that becoming grief literate is really, really, really important. Um, There's a book that came out when I was in seminary. I think it's Diana Butler Bass, if I'm saying it right. Forgive me. But it's called Practicing Our Faith. It's probably behind me over here. Um, But there's a chapter on it called Dying Well. And it's just Mm. spiritual practices. Just that chapter alone is amazing resource. When you talk about when you talk about people, um, spiritual discipline of of fearing not. How do we get not comfortable with the amount of loss, mm-hmm. making sense of loss and grief, and what that means? Um, there, a lot of people have uh, talked about my grandmother's hands. Um, which talks about body trauma and working through that. I think people got to breathe, do some namaste for Jesus. You got to get in touch. I'm serious. You got to get in touch with the whole self and be really grounded in your Mm -hmm. actual body Mm -hmm. if you want to get on the other side of the collective PTSD that we did. We had a um, resilience workshop um, done by Zena Regis in our presbytery, who's a chaplain. If you haven't seen it, and, and that's a resource too, that's all, right on our on our YouTube channel. So I feel like as a presbytery and as a staff and uh, as council and com- all of our committees are aware mm-hmm. of how painful mm-hmm. this has been for people. And so I think continuing to work alongside, uh, but I definitely think becoming brief, um, literate is critical. Mm-hmm. One of the things I always I seem to notice uh, in college in particular, students tend to come against some of the the first hard things in their life. Most, you know, most of the time, that's like the first hardest thing they've had to deal with is during college. And I don't think it's because like nothing happens to you until you're in college. I think 
it's the first time you're on your own. And so there you're having to deal with stuff that happens um, and make sense of it while you're by yourself. And I think that that really illustrates what you're talking about being grief illiterate. Like some, something bad happens in college and it feels so much worse because you haven't had to practice uh, right. grief work up until that point. Mm-hmm. I think you're also, your spidey senses are more awake. I remember mm-hmm. teen, and this is on my father's side of the family, and my great-grandmother passing. And she was 90-something, and that was appropriate. It was her season. It was her time. And so I remember that. But all of the feels for my dad's mm-hmm. college, I had every, I was surrounded by people. I was a commuter student. I wasn't, you know, so even when you're, even when you have people around you in college alone with thoughts, you're alone with like, I am becoming an adult and I have all my feelings are in 3D now. Like I didn't, I'm like, what is this? Yes. (laughs) You know? And so you're trying to, you're trying to process that. I also think for some people, that's the first time they really get angry with Mm -hmm. God and the sun, moon and stars and society. Like there's that, which is one of the five stages. Right. And so maybe you, process through through that anger and God can handle it but yeah it's a lot it's a lot well also too when you had said um you know that we have to get in we have to be in touch with our bodies as well like college when you're in college your body is changed like your physical body is changing so much that like how do you get in touch with something that you are not familiar with and you have not yet learned how it Mm. communicates with you. Right. I think that is the huge thing. You know, that's why this last year, like our goals, pandemic goals for you, Kirk, drink water, eat food, go to sleep, like get some sleep. Right. Get like, listen to what your body, you know, like as an adult, I'm like, listen to what your body's telling you. Like your body communicates with you, but if, if it's communicating in a new way and a new language, and you don't know what that means, you have to figure that out. And what college student has time to figure that out <laughs> without somebody telling them to be like, you yeah. need like, um, unless it's a part of my thesis, I can't think about it. I think my teeth are falling out. No, I'm fine. Unless this is going to help me get a job when I graduate. <laughs> You're literally <laughs> holding clumps of your hair in your hand. Your hand. <laughs> you know, I wonder, you know, because I remember being on seminary campus and the wet, like wellness day. Yeah. And mobile unit. And they check on you. They're like, you, you doing all right? You know, and so how do you make that? How do you normalize yeah. that, the health check-in? How do yes. you? How's your hearing? How's your feet? You know? Yes. I I was in seminary uh, about the time that uh, Robin Williams uh, died by suicide. Yes. And I am an effusive uh, ball of glitter most of the time. Um, I'm, I'm like the balloons at, uh, you know, amusement parks with the stuffed animal inside of them. You know, like if I pop, it's going to be a party. And And so I, during that time though, like on campus, I had to steer clear of all of the students who were taking pastoral care classes 
because they all were they were all convinced that something horrible was going on, like just inches below the surface of me. And I was like, I promise I'm not an onion. It's, a, it's the one layer and that's it. It's I wish that there was something more complex than this, but I really am just a happy guy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> that too, right? But no, like, I, but, you know, and for me, like no, having to normalize, like, all right. Maybe I should check it out. Maybe there is something to this. Maybe I, I am hiding something that even I don't know about. Um, yeah. And so the search is ongoing. Peel it back. Peel it. What kind of stuffed animal is inside of your clear plastic balloon? <clears throat> I think I that's the question. A I see a little lion with some cool fuzzy hair. Like a little, yeah. All, you, well, you just described me in college. All of this, just round and fuzzy. <laughs> huge beard, huge hair. I'm prophetic. You are. It's mm-hmm. true. It's, it's true. true. Mm-hmm. You've, you've got your finger on the pulse. You know. You so do. <clears throat> oh, man. Oh, my gosh. That's so great. Um, we have reached an hour, so I want to honor your time, especially since you're trying to hit the road. <laughs> Road trip. And not be what? And not be anxious about forgetting something. And like. Our mantra in our house, um, <laughs> thing we always say when we're planning for a trip, because uh, try, it, there's just three of us, but it's, we, I swear we all probably have some sort of ADHD and we just, we, there's something gets forgotten all the time. There's always something that's forgotten. But the thing that we say is, you know what, wherever we're going, if we realize that it's missing, uh, we either don't need it. We don't actually need to have it or we can go buy it. That's true. And I think for me, it's thinking that I'm going to do, a thousand hours of work in one week. Like I don't yes. have to bring my library. Hi, sweet girl. Hi. Evangeline, my daughter, yeah. joining us for the last few minutes. I love it. I'm gonna. Sh- I know we're wrapping up, but these are some. They're not in the clouds yet, but they. 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 These are some of my old uh, parishioners at uh, my home church, uh-huh. and. Um, this one was in the play that we did when I was there, gosh, back in the late nineties, early two thousands. And this guy did many repairs for the urban ministry in Philly. And, um, and I I just, I don't know why they're here. Like they were somebody passing around, you know, like they mail, people mail me stuff, but I thought, Oh, like that, that's part of the extended family. Yes. Yes. You know, 100%. Yes. Yeah. Part of the extended family. This guy. Rick Davis, um, a deacon at the church, would visit Carl weekly and either they read the shack together and another book called The God Box, where you just write. This is not a bad thing in um, college ministry, too. Just, I think, a tactile and tangible stuff. And you probably, I know you already do these kinds of things, but you just write whatever it is, a special box that you just put it in. And you just leave it like mm-hmm. it's going in the box and just see what gets answered along the way. So mm-hmm. 
I love that. That's awesome. That that actually sounds like a really great practice we might have to start doing with some of our freshmen and just kind of see how it changes over four years. Yeah, you'll be surprised what gets answered. That's the part that's fascinating, or how you hear you hear God taking care of it, and you mm-hmm. kind of leave that thing in there, and you go back at some point, and like, oh yeah, God did it, you know, mm-hmm. or I was released from an expectation, right, of how I thought it was going to be. So. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. Well, I pray that the audio is okay. Likewise. I pray I mean, that's I would love to just have an ongoing monthly conversation with you, Aisha, but <laughs> I mean, do we want to make it a segment? Because Y'all we could. You're so adorable. Um as long as I could do it like from my phone too. Yes. Oh, that might even be easier because it doesn't have to be, um, you know. It doesn't have to be video. It doesn't even have to be Zoom, honestly. Mm. Well, look, I'm, you know, I'm here to serve y'all, too. Literally, literally to serve people. We want to make your job easier. That's why she's the Freire God Presbyter. That's right. (laughs) Blessing. That is hilarious. Uh, I'm going to be looking for that in future hashtags. <laughs> if that yes. is still a thing, the metadata. Oh. <laughs> I, can, I can do that. I can do that. Y'all are the best. Um, you know, let's pray that this is okay. If we need to do something else, we'll, we'll make it work. So it's going to be, it's going to be great. None of us muted, so. I have all the confidence. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Okay. Uh, Aisha, thank you so much again for, for coming and yes. for, uh, rewriting. Um, this is a wonderful conversation, as it always is. And uh, we look forward to the next time that you can join us. So thank you so much. That would be my honor, for sure. Thanks. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. This has been another episode of UKirk Atlanta Presents, the UKirk Atlanta Podcast. To find out more information about our campus ministries, you can follow us on Facebook at UKirk Atlanta or Instagram and Twitter at UKirk ATL or online at www.ukirkatlanta.com. If you would like to help support our ministries on the Agnes Scott, Emory, and Georgia State campuses, you can click the donate button on our website, ukirkatlanta.com. 